we always talk about how much politics are in sport Mm -hmm. and it's sport can only take you so far. That's true. You have to take that step outside of the symbolism. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Hello, fans of Shook Lestan, and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? There's been a lot of not good news this week in the Olympic world. How so? You know, things at, at with U.S. gymnastics oh. and British gymnastics oh. and uh, Russian figure skate. You know, so I'm glad we're here because I need some cheering up. Well, we can cheer you up. I need some cheering up. Right. It's always fun in Shuklistan, right? It's a happy place. That's right. That's Except Our for... capital is Happy Town. <laughs> <laughs> Making a note of that. Today, so there have actually been some weird developments happening in Shuklistan this week. So we've got a little bit of a shorter show for you. It just so happened that... We, we know that covering the, the games is very hard to do in terms of getting media accreditation. Like, we didn't get one for Japan. We knew that it was going to be impossible to do that, given our status in the, the press world. And we hadn't planned on Beijing either, because it was just back-to-back. They were so close together. Didn't go through the IOC accreditation process, but... We're on the USOPC mailing list, and they had said a few months ago, hey, it's time to apply for accreditation if you'd like one. And so at the very last minute, I randomly applied. Asked for I did cr- not know this. I, I know. <laughs> and it really was last minute. <laughs> so we, pl- we applied for two credentials, and we, we got one. <laughs> so since I was not aware of this... <laughs> I said, oh, I, I don't think I could go to China, and Jill said, that's okay, we only got one. Yeah. <laughs> so it all worked out for yeah. the best. So, yeah, and, and in getting that credential, I've been spending a lot of time looking at what happens now, and there have been a lot of deadlines that have come up and trying to figure out how we're going to make this happen. So we've got a shorter show this week. We're going to do a couple of lightning rounds and we've got a lot, some, a lot of Tokyo news. So that's going to be today's show. Because we've got a shorter show, maybe you've got time in your week to listen to Hear Her Sport, which is uh, one of our favorite podcasts. It's a long form, intimate profiles of female athletes breaking boundaries, speaking up and living with power and confidence. In every episode, host Elizabeth Emery introduces strong women who have become successful in their sport and far beyond. I just finished the Brianna Decker episode today. It was really good. It was really interesting. Because of listening to that, I have questions about hockey sticks. I have questions about hockey skates. Because, oh, yeah. that's right. We've, never, we've discussed figure skating and speed skates, but not hockey skates. Right. We haven't even gotten to some of the figure skating stuff. Because I have a lot of questions about how those blades are configured and how they're mounted on, on things. So... We, we may have to see if Brianna Decker will grace us with her presence again. 
Anyway, so they got into some really interesting stuff on the Brianna Decker interview. I know she's uh, she's interviewed softball players, uh, Nia Tapper, who is primed to be on the rugby U.S. rugby team, was also on our show. Uh, also a great interview. New shows drop every other week on Thursdays, and you can find them on hearhersports.com or your favorite podcast app, and she is Hear Her Sports on social. So just a note about the accreditation I want to mention. Mm-hmm. On, on, yes, we've been totally overwhelmed, but how cool is this going to oh be? Oh my gosh, it's going to be so <laughs> So we're going to get through Tokyo, and then you can look forward to the Beijing coverage, which could be international. Yeah. I mean, I'll be here. I will stay in the United States. You'll be going to China. Right. And we have no idea how this is going to work because we'll be in very different time zones. And this is going to be fun. Yeah, because we thought that Tokyo was going to be international. Don't know. We'll get to that later in the show. But uh, yeah, this one will be an international show. And it's just it's kind of mind-boggling when you look at the map and trying to figure out the transportation and they've got a lot of stuff that they cover for you but it's just like okay what's where and in what relation and and you look at just the complex of stuff and and you think oh they turned the the swimming cube into the ice cube and you get all excited they've got that new ice ribbon there's a lot of ice involved you're gonna be cold pack pack warm clothes i know i I, I want like a big puffy shukflistan jacket (gasps) I do. (laughs) I'll get embroidering right now. (laughs) All right. So we do have a couple of lightning rounds for you today. First up, we have a lightning round from the past, um, which actually kind of works with our Atlanta theme because it's uh, Stu Sheldon, who was on episode 67, and we talked about Olympic marketing. So Stu is currently the uh, executive vice president of strategy at jet fuel studio but back in the atlanta 1996 era he worked on olympic and national governing body marketing campaigns with agencies and with coca-cola take a listen lightning round what is your first memory of the olympics as a child 1984 summer olympics driving from Kansas to Connecticut and back with my mom and eating a lot of free McDonald's, Big Macs, French fries, and Cokes because they had their medals uh, promotion, the first one they'd ever done. And since Russia pulled out after they put the odds together on on the sweepstakes, on the scratch cards, the USA won a lot more medals than they were projected to. So I ate a lot of free McDonald's on that three-week road trip it was awesome oh i totally remember that game now oh yeah. um free apple pie mom free apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> all over <laughs> what is your favorite olympic mascot sam the eagle jill agrees I, I would agree with you he's my favorite as well so you've been involved with water polo and some cycling so what is your favorite water polo training exercise Oh, uh, my favorite water polo training exercise, uh, we call the five and five. Um, You get in front of the goal about six meters away and you get five passes in a row from your left-hand side. And then you get five passes in a row from your right-hand side. And each one you catch and shoot on the goal, 10 shots in a row. It doesn't sound like much, but 
um, you take a couple strokes in between each one to position yourself a little differently and uh, it takes about 30 seconds and you're exhausted five and five what olympic sport would you do or coach other than water polo do or coach maybe curling maybe that's curling. a good answer um and then what is your favorite olympic souvenir well i could give you the cheesy answer and just say all the memories but we are so my... cheesy Stu, that that never is wrong with us <laughs> here's here's my favorite olympic souvenir when we had the party at the pizza place my friend who was also my client on fresca uh, uh, we took lots of pictures right and about a week later an envelope showed up at my office and in it was a picture of this guy steve and me standing uh, with this throng of people behind us, and we each have a pitcher of beer, and we're smiling, and everybody else around us is smiling. And he had handwritten a note on a card, and it said, "Would you buy a national promotion from these guys?" Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the Olympics appears nowhere in the picture or his note, um, but that might be my favorite. Olympic souvenir. Nice. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Stu. Stu still has a connection with the Olympics. He is also the assistant head coach for USA Water Polo's Olympic Development Program, which is pretty awesome. I know. And may, I remembered listening back to it, we had that whole discussion about Fresca. <laughs> so now, once again, I want a Fresca. <laughs> Thank you, Stu. Next up, we have Phil Andrews. Uh, Phil is the CEO of USA Weightlifting and man about the media because he's pretty much in almost every week's Shuklistan update with another podcast or another article. So, Well, there's a, there's a few things going on with weightlifting lately. Exactly. So it's probably good that he is got a high profile. So here is his lightning round. Lightning round. They're designed to be fast, but we, we can go off into tangents, too. We don't mind. So what is you your... Got, I mean, well, clearly. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is excellent. Um, what is your first memory of the Olympics from when you were a child? I'm sure I've seen one before this, but I watched the 96 Olympics from a house in rural uh, Victoria, Australia. Uh, and I think that's the the memory of the Olympics that sticks in my mind. Did were you following uh, any particular sport or anything, or just the whole shebang? Well, it was Australia, so basically they watched swimming, 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 and more swimming in Australia. And they pretend the track and field doesn't exist because don't tell Australia I said this, but they're not very good at it. Oh, ouch, <laughs> ouch, oh, oh. We didn't say it. Somebody insulted a country instead of me. That's <laughs> Phil, you here. <laughs> I didn't insult a country. I just said they were they they were very good at swimming. They're not very good at track and field. I stated a fact. I did not insult. <laughs> I know. I got worried before when we started talking about Kazakhstan. I was like, Allison, keep your mouth shut. 
<laughs> the Cossacks are already after me, so I got to keep my mouth shut when that country comes up. <laughs> Where were you when London got awarded the Games? Um, I was... And the funny thing is that I, I think you probably know this, but a couple of days later we had the London bombings. Um, right. So I was in Essex, just outside of London, and unfortunately that event of, of the joy of getting the games is is mostly overshadowed uh, by the the bombings a couple of days later. Uh, so um, I remember more when when you talk about London being awarded the games. I remember the the London bombings and and then what happened with that and then the effect that had on the country, which was. Yeah, don't me wrong. It, 9/11 was was the worldwide uh, single worst uh, terrorism uh, destruction ever remains so. And uh, but it was you know, that certainly had a strong effect on us in London and and surrounding areas at the time. Uh, and unfortunately, it's impossible for me to think of one without the other uh, because it's such a contrast of the joy of the games being awarded to the city and um, and then uh, unfortunately the bombings very shortly afterwards. What is your favorite Olympic moment? Ooh, that one's a challenge. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's difficult because now being involved in sport, I think I take a different view on that. Um, I, I, hmm. There is a degree to which cycling and, and Sir Chris Hoy is coming up mm. for me, um, and and the success of British cycling, and you know I see synergies between their story and ours uh, in turning around a sport which was very unsuccessful um, in a country to to a sport that's relatively successful at the Olympic Games level, um, and and so I, I think probably the, the the beginning of the dominance of the British cycling team at the 08 Olympics in Beijing is probably. Um, what sticks out when you ask that question? Uh, there's also some ones from weightlifting which are really quite fantastic. Um, you know, uh, some fun ones: the Kiribati lifter um, in uh, 20, uh, 2016 dancing off the stage, which is actually the fun thing he does, but he's doing it to raise awareness for a charity. Um, and uh, then the second one from the games would be um, the retirement uh, for Oscar Figueroa. Um, and he, he finally won the gold medal for Colombia and then re retiring on the platform. He made a brief comeback this quad, but, but did retire on the platform. Um, and I also will give an honorable mention to Lashad Al-Kahadzi, uh, waving to the Iranian fans as they went absolutely nuts at him um, during the, um, unfairly, I might add, during the plus 109s in, in Rio. Um, you said moment. I said moments. I just must have missed it. That's okay. We like multiple. It's hard to choose one, you know? It is. It is. And that's the whole point of the games. If you could be an Olympian in any sport, what sport would you do? But you can't choose weightlifting and you can't choose ice hockey. Damn it. I was like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> we can't make it easy. Um, hmm. That is tough. I might choose aerials in no big air big air in in snowboard no no bobsled 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 looks really fun have you done it bobsled. have you gone to salt Bottom. lake and done the bobsled no i want to though i've been to where i've been to the, the olympic park over there i haven't actually done the bobsled one around my, my wife has and has said it's, it's quite good but um but yeah that's something on my to-do list <laughs> 
We've been told it's like going down the chute in a garbage can. Um, you know, I have some friends who are pop sledders, and I'll not repeat that one. <laughs> oh, it's a pop. No, it was a pop sledder who told us this. Oh, okay, that seems fair then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's your garbage can racing? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it was just sort of the metal sound. Right, that, that actually does make sense. And finally, what is your favorite Olympic souvenir? Um, well, I, I think for me, um, I, I'm probably a little old school with this, but just having the credential from you know being at the games and being involved in the games, I think is is probably the the one for me because you can't recreate that, you can't buy that. It's personal. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been involved on, on the organizing committee side, ironically in Rio. Um, and so I, I, that's probably the one for me because it's it literally got your face on it. You can hang it on the wall no one else can have it. Nice. What, you know, from your perspective, because you get to go to a lot of world championships and, and other tournaments, what, what makes the Olympic games special? You know, it's that X factor. I've never been able to really explain that, but it's the it's the festival atmosphere. There's other multi-sport games that have the same thing, but the games is just different. It just has a different feel. Part of that is everyone's worked so hard to get there, and that's part of the allure of the Olympic Games, if it is the very best of the best of the best um, in, in those sports. I think that's part of it. The Olympic moments, the fact that it bring countries together, I think, is a big part of that, that in a way that the other events don't. Um, the, the FIFA World Cup may be an honorable mention in some countries and, and maybe the Women's World Cup for, for the United States specifically. Um, but it, it really does bring people together in a way that I think no other sporting event really does, uh, especially countries. Uh, I think that's a, probably the biggest element of why it's different for me. Excellent. That's it's 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 so fascinating because, yeah, there's something about this one event that has managed to capture everybody for over a century and still make yeah. it work. Well, and if you think about it, it's really a collection of world championships, but yet it's still this really big deal for for everybody. Um, you know, it, it's still we used to go out there and do weightlifting. Gymnasts will still go there and do gymnastics. Track and field people go there still there go there and do track and field. But it's just a different level. All right. Well, Phil, thank you so much for your time. We really yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much, Phil. We will have links to Phil's social in our show notes. And a follow-up with weightlifting, because we talked last week about and Thomas Bach was scolding yes. the IWF in a very, very unbach-like way. Right. So they have delayed the IWF elections for president and their new executive board. They're going to try to ratify their new constitution first. They've approved two athlete votes. So the athletes representatives on the boards now will have a vote. Wow. Uh, well, that's election, a, what? Which is huge, which is a huge change. And then the elections will be rescheduled. They have not been rescheduled. So the constitutional uh, vote will be at the end of March. Okay. And then sometime after that, 
there will be the presidential. I wonder if they're switching this all around so that they're fine for, to- I mean, I don't know if Tokyo was on the board to get kicked I out. Don't, I don't, I don't think so, but like, hmm. T-Bock was mad. He was mad. I really thought he'd put Tokyo up, but I wonder if they have, they still have so many problems, problems with boxing that right. I wonder if, well, boxing is going to be in Tokyo because they really didn't want to hurt those athletes who had been preparing, but the IOC is running that tournament. And, you know, we talk about the International Weightlifting Federation, the AIBA, the the International Boxing Association is, is still in a horrible state of affairs. So I, I think that uh, TBOC and the executive board want to get weightlifting straightened out before they, they deal with boxing again. Exactly. So we will see how this goes in the spring with that election. <laughs> and <laughs> Phil has been very vocal in his concerns about the IWF. Mm-hmm. And it's and, tough. And it, yeah, I mean, he's he's got a voice in this, which is good. So we'll let you know if we're going to keep seeing weightlifting in the Olympics. A bunch of Tokyo 2020 news. Today, today is Wednesday the 3rd, so there was a call. Remember last week we talked about how T-Bach and the IOC executive director, Christoph Duby, said, oh, we'll wait as long as we can to make a decision. But as soon as we need to. Yes, exactly. And they thought April, May, they could make a decision. And the new head of Tokyo 2020, Seiko Hashimoto, said pretty much immediately, uh, we need to make a decision sooner than that. We need to make a decision. Probably March 25th would be good. So today, uh, March 3rd, there was a uh, video call between uh, Seiko Hashimoto, uh, TBOC, the International Paralympic Committee head, Andrew Parsons, the Tokyo governor, Yuriko Koike, and the Japanese Olympic minister, Tamayo Marukawa. And what we've learned is that they are leaning toward limiting spectators for the Games. They've been looking at a whole bunch of scenarios, and uh, sources said that uh, behind closed doors was not discussed on this call. And this is reported in multiple Japanese newspapers, including we got a lot of our news from the Japan Times here. So it it really looks like they're going to have some fans there. They don't want to have a totally closed games, especially, and I bet because so many other sports have been able to have some sort of fan attendance. Right. They, They would be the odd man out. Yeah, nothing. Right. And they really want to save face here, especially with China coming after these games. There was an an interesting article in the Japan Times about how Tokyo really wanted to look good with Beijing happening right behind them. The country's relations are historically problematic. Yes. So it's, it's very important to the Japanese to have a good, successful games. So... Uh, We will see. They said on this call that on March 25th, they will decide on whether fans from outside Japan can come in. The current concern is now all of the variants that are popping up around the world. And then once they make that decision at the end of April, they will decide on how many fans will be allowed at each venue, which is an insight into how they have to plan for limited spectators. 
So I think it seems pretty clear you're going to have Japanese fans there. I, I would agree. I think you're going to have at least locals there. The real question would be with the international fans, can you have international fans from some countries and not others? Good question. You know, could you say, okay, your country's in good shape and would those be guidelines to say, you know, your country has to have this many vaccinated, this many, you know, level of, in fact, you know, the low levels of infection, but then you won't know that until the last minute. So the fans couldn't plan anyway. Right. Or do you just say, you know, you as a country have managed this so poorly, we're not going to let you in. But New Zealand, you're fine. You can come in. Right. The, the Kiwis star. are always welcome because they don't bring <laughs> disease with them. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, they've already said they're not going to ha- uh, require that two-week quarantine period before you come. And they are trying to plow a lot of money into building an app. But it's kind of too quick to build an app that's going to work well. So we don't know. The There's uh, still a state of emergency in parts of Japan. Uh, it's been being lifted in some prefectures, but not Tokyo yet, because they have about 4,000 cases a day right now. And that's declining, but they still might extend their state of emergency for a little while longer. And that just is another sign that people living outside of Japan wouldn't be able to come in. But also starting on March 25 is the torch relay. I forgot how gorgeous the torches were. Oh, they are, right? We were so excited about these torches. And, you know, with everything else, it obviously just went to the back of my brain. They're showing the maps of the the new route, which I don't have the old route in front of me, seems to be the same length and going through all the, the same prefectures. Maybe they're not hitting some of the population centers that they were, but it seems very similar with the gorgeous rose gold, petal-shaped lotus flower torches, which definitely warmed my heart a bit. No pun intended. (laughs) But I think having that start is going to really be a sign and, and really bring some hope to, you know, light the hope, like, you know, all that. I know. And I, and I wonder if that's what Hashimoto is thinking, that she wants that decision made when the torch relay starts. Oh, right. Doesn't want that hanging out there, clouding that event. Mm-hmm. Good point. That we can say, this is, this is the starting point. The torch relay is starting. Here's what's going to happen. Move forward. Good point. Also, no pun intended. <laughs> There have been announcements that fans will not be allowed to cheer during the torch relay. They have to stay distant. There's a whole little guide about how to see the torch, but basically mask up, no audible cheering. But you know what this means. Uh, If I was a sponsor. Cowbells. Cowbells. Clappy hands. All of those things. All these noisemakers, not the vuvuzelas. Because you have to blow into it and you'll just spread your germs everywhere. Right. But any kind of noisemaker, oh, my goodness, if I was a sponsor, oh, I'd set out a bucket. Here you go. And especially because if they're made of metal or plastic, it's so easy to wash it. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have to worry about the disinfecting uh, decontamination issue. I mean, a metal bell, it is naturally antibacterial. That's right. You could make it the same color as the tort. (gasps) Oh. You could make like, the, oh, okay, I've got it. I've okay. got it. You like, 
make little mini replica torches and inside the petals you have those little balls so that when you shake it (gasps) it's like a maraca that's shaped like the torch oh my gosh that would be beautiful i would like a five percent cut on whoever makes those that's my idea it's not going to get better than that really i know except for remember when i came up with the stacking diamond rings oh yeah olympic colors (laughs) still haven't seen those they could even do it in pearls japan is famous for pearls yeah i'm with you on this all right one other reason to keep having the Tokyo 2020 Olympics is that uh, President Moon Jae-in from South Korea hopes that these games will be an opportunity for him and the country to have a dialogue with North Korea. Because you need to have an Olympics to talk to your neighbor? Well, you know, I know. they have issues. That they was, keep trying. And, yeah. but, and, and it's funny because they were one of the bids kind of bandied about for 2032. And I guess right, the joint north yes, and south, bid. Yes, yes, which you know the IOC would totally eat up. Oh, they would love that. But the relations between the two countries have not been so good lately, so that's kind of falling apart at the moment. So I believe President Moon wants this to be an opportunity to reopen those talks and, and see what the two countries can do together. So that would be, be interesting. because the two Koreas did have the joint women's hockey team competing in Pyeongchang, correct. And in previous games, they have marched together and they have definitely used the Olympics as a way to, I hate to say open dialogue, because how many times can you open dialogue, mm-hmm. but be an avenue <clears throat> to to try and communicate. Right. And it's interesting how sport can be that proxy, that neutral space where you can go and you can talk about the game or the competition and then like sneak in some diplomatic talk though i think what's very interesting with the whole especially north and south korea is that it never seems to move forward no matter how many times we have these teams literally playing together marching in the games together we never see any real political or diplomatic movement between the two koreas and that's you know it's like we always talk about how much politics are in sport Mm-hmm. And it's sport can only take you so far. That's true. You have to take that step outside of the symbolism. Well, uh, both countries do plan to have teams at Tokyo 2020. And there's been talk of them having combined teams in women's basketball, canoeing and rowing. So we could see another combined effort here, which would be interesting. Right. You know, I guess the keep talking is always a good thing because nothing is ever going to improve if you're not talking. True. So it's that balance between at what point is it not enough anymore? But you don't want it to not happen either. Right. So we'll see. Could You're be supposed some... to cheer me up, and now I'm worried about North and South Korea. Uh... But I do have that image of the maraca. I'll hold on to that. To Literally. Think. All right. On that note, uh, we'll wrap it up for this week. Let us know what's going on in your Olympic world. Email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or call our voicemail hotline at 208-FLAME-IT. We're Flame Alive Pod on Twitter and Insta and keep the Flame Alive Podcast group on Facebook. 
next week. We do have some interviews lined up, but they don't happen until they happen, so we won't tell you who's coming on. But we have some really exciting interviews lined up, so we are looking forward to bringing you those uh, starting next week as we go out to Music by Archdale. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. not going to get better than that, really. I know.